Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. Happy Beltane! Yes, happy Beltane to you as well, and to all of our listeners throughout the Witch Web. Definitely, and I'm excited to talk more about that in a moment, but I have to ask first, what are we reading these days? I'm so happy you asked because I just finished a book called Shapeshifters, A History mm-hmm. by John Kachuba, and I'm obsessed with it. I didn't know a book like this existed, but it talks about an array of shapeshifters as they appear in folklore and mythology, you know, um, shapeshifters as gods and goddesses, fairies, werewolves, vampires, and demons. But I think what I loved most about this book, besides being super easy to read, was one of the final chapters where the author talks about shapeshifters and their relationship to fluidity, gender, and identity. And then I just started reading Maiden Mother Crone by Claire Hamilton, which is also excellent. What about you? Well, I've just about finished um, The Power of the Crone by our favorite Dr. Clarissa Pincola Estes. And now I've started in on the Gene Keys as well, which is a blend of human design, astrology, and the I Ching. So we're definitely going to have to talk about that later. Yes, I've been hearing so much about Gene Keys lately, so please report back. I definitely will. So of course today we'll be talking all things Beltane, the Otherworld, Maypoles, and lore. Shall we dive in? Let's do it. Beltane is one of the eight fire festivals that make up the Wheel of the Year. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's celebrated on April 30th and May 1st, and is the midway point between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. To many of our ancestors, Beltane, or May Day as many people call it today, marked the start of summer. Six months ago, at Samhain, farmers were taking their animals to slaughter in preparation for the dark half of the year. But now, they're celebrating the light and moving their animals to greener pastures where they can graze and socialize. We've been planting seeds since Imbolc and Ostara, or at least thinking about it, and that practice will continue through the summer months. But we might also start to consider, or better yet, physically make moves toward what we'd like to harvest later this year. Beltane is when we take all those plans and ideas that we've been jotting down in our journal during the dark months and put them into action. There's no need to wait anymore, partially because it's Taurus season, which signals commitment, a strong will, and a steadfast, grounded mentality. But it's also because if the earth and her plants and creatures are blossoming and growing and thriving, then why wouldn't we be doing the same? Absolutely. 
Taurus is really reflective of that earthy energy that we feel so much of right now. I have almost no earth in my chart, but its grounding presence is such a good reminder. If you're feeling a little bit scattered right now, maybe pause this podcast for five minutes and it may be worth taking off your shoes, planting your feet firmly in the earth, and taking just a few minutes to meditate and imagine your own roots growing into the earth. Beltane's name comes to us from Belfire, which is in reference to Bel, the Celtic sun god, meaning bright fire. Which makes perfect sense since Beltane, like the rest of the Sabbaths, is closely connected to fire. In the old world, during Beltane, Celtic farmers and families would walk their livestock between two bonfires, which was believed to protect the animals and crops from anything that might lower their yield or spoil the harvest. I actually just read a story in the Maiden Mother Chromebook I mentioned earlier about Bridget mm-hmm. as the mother archetype, and there was a story about Bridget's first husband, King Brez. King Brez was an evil man, and when he married Bridget, he made it his duty to cheat and punish her people in any way that he could. The story says that shortly before Beltane, he commanded that Bridget's people give him all the milk from the brown and hairless cows. Which, this sounds really innocent, and so they agreed, but King Brez then singed all the cows between the two Beltane fires, rendering them hairless and claiming all the milk in the kingdom. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, it was new to me, too. And I also know why you're saying first husband. He really sounds like (laughs) someone that you would not want to keep around. Agreed. Like all the Sabbaths, Beltane has its roots in Celtic lore but it also has ties to various cultures and their traditional feast days. Beltane is linked to the Roman festival Floralia, a festival of flowers that celebrates the Roman goddess of vegetation, Flora. Floralia sounds similar to a lot of Roman festivals, where drinking and debauchery was the norm and maybe even encouraged. There was a lot of food and dancing and even some old-world stripteases going on. Nudity was a big theme during Floralia, with many followers foregoing traditional clothes for those made of flowers, if they chose to wear anything at all. When I imagine Floralia, for some reason I can't help but think of Woodstock, which maybe has something to do with all those flower crowns and sexually charged energy that permeates the season. Yeah, I mean, this is really tied into the legend of the Maypole as well. Like, during these celebrations, a May Queen would be crowned with garlands to represent flora, like you mentioned, and this tradition is still popular today. Yes, flowers everywhere. There were flowers decorating humans, animals, doorways, pretty much everything during Floralia. Because, believe it or not, all this partying in the name of Flora was meant to appease the goddess so she would protect and strengthen the crops. During Beltane, there's also this transition happening right now from the primal maiden energy to that of the mother archetype. I know that we're going to dive into the mother archetype in an episode in the near future, but for those who enjoy mythology and the story of the triple goddess and the horned god, Beltane is when the two unite and the goddess conceives a child to be born at Yule, the winter solstice. 
I think that because of this maiden association, um, I think a lot about Artemis around Beltane too, as their protector of the forest, the huntress, beholden to no one, kind of before the shift or change. Yeah, I also think about the green man, her and the hunter, the forest is alive right now. Mm-hmm. And this also brings me to my favorite, the fey folk who I think a lot about during Beltane, and maybe that's partially because I'm always kind of thinking about the Fae, but especially with this link between flowers, gardens, the goddess, I can't help but think about tree magic as especially potent during this time. Beltane, the veil between this world and the other world is very thin, and at the time of Beltane, you may consider working with tree magic. We've spoken about fairy trees a bit in our Tales of Ash episode, as well as the Fae in our Fae Folk episode, so if you're looking for more to dive into, go there next. Hawthorne is strongly associated with Beltane, and Hawthorne branches and flowers were what was used to decorate the May Day Maypole. Hawthorne symbolizes hope, happiness, and protection. In herbalism, Hawthorne also has strong heart medicine. Beltane reflects a lot of this ancient love and lore of trees. Hawthorne is one of those select trees that is a part of the Celtic alphabet. In ancient Ireland, the penalty was death if you chopped down a grove of sacred trees, and that was if the goddess didn't strike you down first. If you're not drawn to Hawthorne, oak is a fairy tree considered to be related to the king of fairies and Odin in some tales. Rowan is also an especially potent tree to work with during this time. A cleansing ritual of Beltane is to place a rowan branch in the center of the home and then carry a lit candle from the front door to the back and then to each of the corners of the house and then to the hearth. This would form a net of eight points to bring both balance and harmony to the home. During this time, you may also keep your eyes attentive for fairy rings. Fairy rings of mushrooms are a clue that the fey folk have been nearby, and you can also look for sacred groves of trees, especially ones that contain oak, ash, and hawthorn together. Thank you, as always, Kate, for all these fey folk tips. I love them. (laughs) I also really love reading about the rituals and superstitions surrounding Sabbath, so Mm -hmm. I wanted to share a few that I found during my research. The Beltane fire, which was called a need fire, was considered sacred. It was made purely by friction, which if anyone's ever tried to make a fire, we know this not to be an easy task. According to a book called Beltane Rituals, Recipes, and Lore for May Day, in Scotland, The friction was created with help from a square frame of green wood featuring an axle down the middle, and lots of manpower. This contraption was usually so large that it took several people working in teams to get the fire to start. And supposedly, if any of the people trying to light the need fire were guilty of murder or heinous crimes, there would be no spark. And in the off chance that the fire did light, the magical properties would be diminished because like I mentioned, the fire was sacred. In Wales, even the gathering of the wood for the fire was part of the ritual. Supposedly, nine men would head out into the woods to collect branches from nine different types of trees, 
but not before they empty their pockets of any metal, be it coins or keys. I'm not sure what the lack of carrying metal has to do with the fire, but I saw this detail mentioned in a few sources. I wonder if it has anything to do with the Fae, because the Fae folk are so put off by iron that maybe by removing the metal from their pockets, they were gesturing to the Fae that they came in peace and ritually to collect the wood. I really like that theory, and it crossed my mind too, but... When I was reading about the Fae and Beltane, I came across so many stories referencing people being rather unwelcoming to the Fae around this time. I saw one that said that on the Isle of Man, people would burn the shrubbery and bushes throughout their property in order to banish any fairies and witches hiding amongst the greenery. I always see so much conflicting information between embracing and warding off magic, like lore around planting certain plants near doorways to ward off evil, but in reality, if you planted those plants near your house, you'd probably be more likely to attract witchy folks. Yes, I agree. (laughs) So again, we see Beltane's connection to fire, but not in the same sense as the sacred need fire. Since the need fire was magical and believed to offer protection, people actually wanted the smoke to pour over them. They did this with themselves and their animals. Some people even saved the ashes and would sprinkle them over ailing plants or mix the ash into the soil. Beyond fire, Beltane and the element of water have quite a few connections as well. I know, Kate, that we talked a few episodes ago about flower essences, so it made me think of you when I read that on Beltane morning, all of the dew resting atop flowers was believed to be extra magical, sort of like a super potent love potion or glamour, capable of making the wearer more attractive. It said that someone seeking love might be found rolling in the dew during the early morning hours of Beltane, which (laughs) is an image I sort of love. People would also visit wells or holy springs and leave coins for the water and well spirits. It's said that the first bucket of water from a well on Beltane is imbued with powerful healing properties. This kind of reminds me of Lady's Mantle. Are you familiar? No, do tell. Um, so Lady's Mantle collects dew in, in its leaves, sort of in that very like land before time movie way. And you can kind of kneel down, actually, and sip the dew off of the plant. Um, And Lady's Mantle has been used in rituals by alchemists and in spell work for centuries. So if you have some Lady's Mantle nearby, um, listening to a plant like her could just be a perfect Beltane ritual. I'll be adding Lady's Mantle to my seed list. (laughs) Um. Beltane is also considered uh, the wedding of the great god and goddess, and so hand fastings and weddings have been hugely popular on Beltane. The tradition of hand fasting is a betrothal for a year and a day, after which the couple can elect to stay together or part ways. Hands are usually tied together in a figure eight ceremonially with red thread, and later are untied in the ceremony. Tying the hands together symbolizes that they have come together, and the untying meaning that they remain together of their own volition and will. 
Another common Beltane tradition is jumping the broomstick. Traditionally, if people could not afford a church ceremony or didn't want one, they would be accepted as a married couple in the community if the couple jumped over a broom, the broom then symbolizing a threshold. I've always loved the hand fasting ritual. My husband and I did our own version of hand fasting when we got married. And watching the officiant, who was a good friend of mine, tie her hands together is one of those moments that I'll always remember. So, Kate, I know that depending on where we live in this great big world, these Sabbaths don't always line up with our weather and the essence of the moment. So I'm curious what Beltane looks like to you. Does it feel like the start of summer for you? Does it correlate with the seasons in New York? What do you do to celebrate this day in a way that feels authentic to your life? You know, that's a great question. Um, Last year, I spent it in northern Michigan, um, and we had a fire. Uh, The two years before that, we had poetry performances for the Poetry Society of New York, and that was a lot of fun and very witchy. Um, I may actually do that Rowan ritual that I spoke about earlier, as I have some beautiful Rowan twigs here, but maybe I'll see if I can be upstate so I can go for a nighttime walk through the woods, or build a flower crown, or leave some fae folk offerings. But maybe I'll just do that in the park here in my neighborhood. I have been meaning to connect more to the earth spirits of Brooklyn, but what about you? Any plans? Let's see. There's definitely going to be some gardening um, since the moon's waning and we're just a few days past the full moon. I'm thinking more of a focus on root crops, maybe checking in with my roots as well and connecting with family and friends back home. There's also an old aquifer that sits just a ways behind my house at the base of the mountain. I'm not sure what purpose it serves now other than being a really cool part of the local history, but it has a reputation of housing miracle water. And now that I know more about Beltane's connection to water and the spirits that reside in wells and springs, I think a visit is in order this Beltane. I can't wait to hear about it. Blessed Beltane beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we talk illustration, magic, and motherhood with artist Caitlin Barone. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time. <laughs>